0: Hi friends, this is the Be Real Babe podcast, a place where your average Canadian wolf pack come together to talk about life stresses, messes, and successes. A safe space where being yourself is the ultimate goal. Each week, we will bring you new episodes sharing our opinions on a ton of different topics in hopes we can get a better understanding of ourselves, each other, and this crazy world we live in. We wanna build a community where we can show up as ourselves, be real, and lay it all out there. By sharing our opinions and experiences, We hope to reach others who can relate so we can all help each other learn, grow, and heal. But please keep in mind, as a disclaimer, none of us here are professionals. No one is giving any advice. We are strictly speaking of our life experiences, our opinions, and for entertainment purposes only. Now, with that being said, it's time. So grab your drink, grab your joint, and let's jump right in. welcome to Being Real With. This is a part of the Be Real Babe podcast where we get back to our roots and we talk to our friends, family, community about their experiences, their opinions, and whatever we want. For those that don't know me, my name is Brandy. I am the host of the show and today you guys we're on a very special episode. It's episode 143 and it is our last guest episode of season five. I'm equally excited and sad at the same time because I'm going to miss talking to people for like a month, y'all. I love talking. But anyways, today, you guys, we have Being Real with Dr. John Konevsky, and I am so excited, you guys. This lines right up perfectly with the last episode that I had talking about my own personal beauty journey Um, and this episode was just absolutely fire. I'm so excited for you guys to tune in but before we do that I'm going to remind you if you are listening on YouTube or Rumble anywhere that you're watching the video you can make sure to like and subscribe turn on those notifications so you know when your girls are launching another episode which We'll be breaking for a little bit soon, but we still got a couple left. And if you are listening on the audio, ones like Spotify or Apple, you can as well follow us, turn on those notifications. On Apple, you can even leave us a review if you're feeling spicy, if you feel like sending your babe some love. Really appreciate it. And uh, you can also follow us on social media. Of course, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, at The Be Real Babe Podcast. Also, you guys, just one last, before we get into this episode, if you want your own episode, you want your own being real with, you have a topic you all want us to talk about, sure to reach us reach out to us on our instagram we would love to have you on love to talk to you don't think that your experience is minimal or that no one wants to hear it because we absolutely do now season six is going to be designed a little bit differently but we're still going to have plenty of space for voices to be heard so yeah make sure you hit us up if you want to come on the show other than that let's get on to the show Okay babes, it's time to get on the show and today in studio we have a very special guest joining us from Beverly Hills. I have with me today Dr. John Kinesby. Hello Dr. K, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, thanks for having me on. Oh
0: thank you so much for coming and agreeing to come on the show and just uh, being real with us today. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, my it's my great pleasure.
0: So before we get on to the show, can you tell our community a little bit about yourself, what you do in your life, and your work, whatever you feel good?
1: Sure. Yeah, I am. uh, So like you said, I'm from Beverly Hills. I am a board certified plastic and reconstructive surgeon. And uh, my practice is focused solely on breast explant, as well as breast uh, reconstruction using fat transfer. And I use a newer methodology where I move tissue around the body. So I move fat around the body while patients are awake and comfortable and using a special technique that I've developed over the years um, to really honor the process of transformation, treating surgery as a ceremony.
0: That is really cool. That's a whole different level and kind of like your own little space that you have there. I've seen your pages uh, full of a lot of spirituality and stuff too, and I think that's really mm. what drew me to that because it's, it's a very beautiful, it's not to be this way, but it's kind of taking the focus off the the corporate business part of it and really focusing on the individual and helping them through that journey. I'm, I'm going to say a little bit more holistically and fully rounded than just coming in mm-hmm. surgery kind of go thing, which is, that's really amazing. So that's, that's awesome. How long have you been doing this for like surgery in general?
1: Um, so I've been a plastic and reconstructive surgeon for almost about 10 years now. I completed my training in Canada. I'm doing a residency focus specifically on plastic and reconstructive surgery. I've been in private practice and um, working in the specific area of um, uh, aesthetic and reconstructive surgery for the past three, four years now.
0: That's really cool. And been doing
1: the minimally invasive body sculpting uh, and explant stuff for about the past five, six years.
0: And what uh, what drew you initially to doing this, and and then was it something that as you got into it, you kind of veered off into a different direction? Is there something that kind of you know? Can you explain us like your little journey and that, not little.
1: Your yeah, no, that? no, totally. <laughs> the, the, the journey can be as big or small as you yeah. But but um, yeah. Um, it started um, at in my last year of uh, training during fellowship. I started to notice more and more patients coming in with concerns about their implants. And this is around a time where it wasn't widely accepted or um, the term BII, breast implant illness or problems around implants weren't. Um, I would say wouldn't have the traction they do have today. Yeah. Um about s- six, seven years ago, um, there were rumblings of it in the community. Um, but I was noticing a, a significant number of patients coming in saying, you know, I think my implants are making me sick. And I would listen to patients and and um, you know, going um the sort of traditional medical route is to look up evidence and to try and understand and i would always have the heart and time for my patients but i just couldn't find any evidence that either supported or um or was going against what they were saying even though back in the 90s there was this issue with breast implant um illness uh, it was it was called something else at the time but there was a concern around it but regardless even though i couldn't find any good evidence for it i was still listening to my patients concerns and i was noticing this this you know they say, if you see something once, it could just be a coincidence, but yes. if it starts to repeat a second or third time, there's a pattern. And I was seeing it enough that I was like, something there's up. something going on here. Yeah. So I personally decided to stop doing breast any breast implant surgery altogether um, until I could uh, safely say or have some good ideas around who would be likely to develop the symptoms from, from breast implant illness. Fair. That was five years ago. Um, I will... Um, yeah, I'll never forget the last time I put an implant and I was like, no more. It was for, um, um, there's still, there's still a, um, a place and setting for yes. breast implant reconstruction for uh, patients who've undergone, um, uh, breast, uh, breast cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. But I was very happy to step away from breast implants altogether and focus more on, um, developing and improving techniques and surgery that would help people without the use of implants. Yes. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and and you know, just really listening to not just the patients, but I've had a lot of friends and um, uh, a lot of friends reach out to me saying, you know, I think my implants are making me sick, or this is what I feel after I've had the implants in for a few years, and I was just noticing this really powerful um, physical and psychological shift that people would go through, mm-hmm. um, that that the the implants um, themselves were sort of like encapsulating a memory or. Um, a part of life that they they no longer identify with um that was more the psychological side but then also the physical symptoms um which you know i'm I'm sure um, many many people have heard of you've heard of but um we're really creating like an autoimmune like state Mm -hmm. so like an overactive immune system causing all sorts of symptoms everything from joint pain to hair loss to fatigue to dry eyes and um just just really making people's lives miserable. Um, so stepping away from the implants and then focusing more on fat crafting as a safe alternative was really uh, the, the transition for me. Um, and I knew um, when I was doing doing stepping away from implants, it was really clear that in the industry, there's you know there's surgeons who will put implants in, there are surgeons who will take implants out, some surgeons who do both, which is I think a little bit confusing depending on.
0: <laughs> it's a little misaligned. Um, which, but...
1: <laughs> Yeah, um but w- the perspective I had is, you know, as long as there's surgeons putting them in, there's going to be surgeons who are taking them out, and you're just on kind of either side of an equation. And what really should shift is the equation altogether, which is um, there should just be a better, safer alternative, which is using your own natural fat to yes. uh, to change and um, um, to do that kind of procedure, whether it's for reconstruction. Or for anesthetic augmentation.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. um So I, I want to go back. So many good things. I'm going to try and get through all of them. One, thank you. This is far more than I even knew existed. Um, just because I've been on the, like you said, I've done so many. I think we're at like eight episodes with BII survivors, and that all started mm. because a couple of years ago, I just, I've always had that. Um, told especially in the fitness industry like oh get breast implants and people just said it's so easy like it's such a minor easy thing to do and i'm just a freak of nature and like the thought of going for surgery is just not something that i'm like yeah let's do that scares me and so i've always had this obviously issue and i've had dr amanda brown on you know talking about she's was, awesome she's amazing absolutely amazing i bought her yeah. book and i was actually able to gift it to a friend here locally that was going through an explant and having a hard time i was like hey by the <laughs> way i have this book that i bought that i don't really need so funny i literally yes,
1: have it right here there on my go, desk.
0: Busting free. yes <laughs> and so i it because i just wanted to read just for myself and also for you know my future guests and and, and anybody and then a uh, local girlfriend who i just admire so much we work together. Um, she was having a hard time, but she was sharing it on her story. And I was like, Hey, I have the perfect book for you. Can I drop it off for you? And you take it as you need it. And it was just kind of like a full circle moment. But anyways, what I find a lot, like you said, is that people have a lot of these symptoms that are so wide ranging. And I find that a lot of the women that come on on the show have told me that they equate it to something else in their life, like being a mom or being in the fitness industry, and you know, like because all of those things that you list are also symptoms of a lot of other things. And because, mm-hmm. like you said, a couple up until the last couple of years, BII was not captured and talked about, they just equate it to all other things, and they go back to their surgeon and be like, "Hey, this is a problem," and they were gaslit to say, "No, no, no, it's in your head. It's anxiety. It's from other things." But 95% of the girls that have come on the show, about eight to nine of them that I've had explant says like 90% of their symptoms clear up like almost immediate. And some of them are long lasting because of how long they Mm -hmm. had them, or maybe they are still on birth control or doing things that are maybe just like not able to support their immune system coming back. But it just, it kind of blows my mind. And and I appreciate so much uh, individuals like yourself and Dr. Amanda that are not gaslighting people when they're saying hey, okay, there might not be studies for this, but I'm hearing you. So like, thank you very much for listening because if something, in my opinion, if something's not going to make money, really, why is someone going to invest in those studies? Is that fair to like, Mm. that's kind of how my thoughts are, right? Like, I feel like money, it's the same thing I feel like with cannabis industry. It doesn't get put money into it because it's going to affect another industry, right? That's kind of, unfortunately, kind of how I've seen some things. And I feel like that's the same with this too.
1: Yeah, no, and um, you, you make a great point about um, research in general. I would say in this particular industry recently, and I'm grateful that there's been uh, a resurgence of research in BII, um, there have been many dedicated plastic surgeons that I know that are really adamant about finding and understanding. Yes. In fact, it was the plastic surgeon who who did one of the larger studies that mm-hmm. sort of uncovered, like, the, the, the real link. Um, but, you know, bre- research can be a really... Um, um complicated space sometimes and in the 90s when the original um, implant moratorium happened when there was a complete stop on all silicone implants there was a a ton of research that was done that was heavily funded by um, industry and um no surprise that it showed that there was no clear link and that you know um i i I think if anything with with the way that research is done the most important thing is to have a really critical eye and understand Mm -hmm. Um, how research is being um, performed. Um, Some basic statistics are always helpful to understand, meaning like, how are these studies powered? Meaning, um, are there enough um, uh, participants in the study to make sure that the results are actually meaningful and significant? Mm -hmm. And how are they funded? Because that makes a difference. Are they disclosing um, any conflicts of interest and funding? Um, That kind of critical thinking around research is always really helpful, especially nowadays, because you can basically find just about any research paper to support an opinion um, and, and I've, I've gone through this with, with, with BI. The there's a, there's a lot of research out there that shows that there's no link. And there's a lot of research that shows that there is a link. My, my background in, um, immunology, my, before I studied medicine, I studied immunology. That was my first degree. Um, the, 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 the basics that a basic understanding I have about immunology in, in theory really does point to there being a very logical sort of progression as to how silicone implanted in the body can cause mm-hmm. these problems. Um, so, um, just a little bit about the sort of biology of it is that, um, you know, silicone acts in the body, a- any foreign body that's put in, in, inside, uh, anywhere in the body is going to elicit something called a, a foreign body reaction. So the body's going to create this capsule around it. Silicone specifically um, can create an adjuvant reaction, which is something that's put in vaccines, but it basically kind of triggers the immune system. It causes the immune system to go a little bit overboard. And what we know is that patients that have a predisposition to autoimmune conditions, whether it's like eczema, dermatitis, asthma, allergies, anything that kind of is reflective of an overactive immune system, they're likely going to have, a stronger reaction or or yeah an immediate reaction to the implants Um, and i've also noticed too you know i i always um counsel and and coach my patients through the process of doing the explant um is that you know i can't guarantee and removing of the implants does not guarantee that the symptoms will go away Um, it's only happened once in my memory but um where where it felt like some of the uh, the patient felt like some of the symptoms did not improve but for the most part, um, you know, removing the implant, removing the capsule, uh, patients do feel a lot better. Um, now, whether there's, it's like si- the scientific scientific evidence behind it or it's sort of anecdotal on a patient-by-patient basis, um, it's just clear that there's there's a really strong link to how people feel about, how patients feel about the implants and and how the body reacts to them. Um, and one, one other important thing that you said is, you know, along the lines of the work that Dr. Uh, Doctor Brown's doing and um, you know, all all of these uh, clinicians and and healthcare professionals c- coming out and just supporting patients, I think, is so important. Just because mm-hmm. the medical industry has been gaslighting women for a long time mm-hmm. and not acknowledging, um, it, this is not just a random blip. And and even my own training, um, as unfortunate as it as it was, I was I would hear surgeons totally just belittling patients, not not to their face, but just like out in conversations being like, oh, I think these patients are just making it up. These symptoms don't make any sense. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of the way the medical industry is a lot of the time, um, just because, and it's, by, it's, it, it's not necessarily to say that doctors are the problem or at fault or anybody. It's just that like, whenever there's something really new and that people don't fully understand, they're going to fall back on their training. And the thing that they understand the most Yes. otherwise you would just have a bunch of healthcare professionals constantly in this like in the state in the ether yeah um accepting every possible Everything. question and diagnosis yeah. yeah and then it just wouldn't have any kind of That's grounding so it's, it's yeah There's that is be yeah 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 and and i'm not i'm not defending the doctors that um i gaslit women i mean my, myself i was like right away i was like this is strange That's like you know to have to have like three patients come in the same day with questions about their implants is that there's a signal there. So I was immediately, my, my alarms were going off. Um, but just to say that I had this understanding, I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, they don't, if they if they're gonna, if, if, um, a healthcare professional is trained to just like look for the evidence, there's not going to be any evidence because this is a new thing that people don't fully understand well enough and it's not fully accepted. So, and unless they're going to be so motivated to go and do the research, it's going to be stuck in this limbo and yes. often, it's easier to just stick with what you know. Um, so um, you, uh, although that being said, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the medical industry has gaslit women for a long time and it's time for yes. it to stop. And it and it's, um, it's great that there's so much support, uh, not just among healthcare professionals, but also among, among patients in the community. You know, there's yes. great, great groups out there. Your podcast is doing an amazing job, just like bringing these stories to light. So people are aware because I really, I'm still shocked that breast implant surgery is. I think it's still the number two most popular plastic yes. surgery procedure. Yeah. Yes. For a while, it was number one. It fell down to number two recently because um, fat transfer and liposuction is becoming more popular. Yeah. But it's just like, man. Every every time I look at those stats, it's,
0: it's like hard. Uh, yeah.
1: It's like 100 to 200 thousand a year. It's like my god, that's like you know, if, if even if only two to three percent of those patients develop AI, which is likely we know the statistically likely more. Yep. I mean, that's a lot of people every year that are just, were either not properly informed, didn't get proper informed consent, and now have to deal deal Live with, with the, the aftermath. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I think my biggest thing is that's what I've heard all the time, is like, I didn't know. And, and for the most part, most of these girls that I've spoken to, these are women from my life to women that I've met online just by speaking out against it because, you know, I'm not going to be... I'm, I'm, I'm high school educated. I'm not a doctor by any means. And I think that's a lot of people can sit back and agree with me where you sit back and you're like, even though I'm not educated, I'm not dumb and I can see trends and I can see patterns. I'm an observant person and I'm an empath. So I feel what these women are saying to me because I also got gaslit about birth control and was told that, you know, this is on your head, you're a teenager, don't worry about it. And instead of getting to root cause of why I was like dying of pain, they're like, here's some Tylenol three at 16. And then that started a whole prescription drug addiction at 16 years old because, wow, it took my period pain away, but it took all of the pain away. And the doctor says it's okay, and he's giving it to me, so it must be okay. And, you know, as a 36-year-old, I'm barely barely taking Advil now because I'm like, hell no, get away from me. (laughs) You're the devil. Um, But I think a lot of us have that kind of medical gaslit moment, whether it was, you know, a plastic surgery or, or medication or something. And that kind of like burns this fuel inside of you that you have to help other people then understand and know what happened to you. And I think that's the biggest part of our show is like, we don't have the research and the receipts medically, but we're going to show you all of these experiences. So say you're sitting at home and the doctors are saying, we don't know what it is. And you've gone through all those testings and you have this massive anxiety and depression, but like, you're not sure why and you have breast implants, I think it's good to know that there could be a chance that you should look into that more. And I think it's fair to raise flags and have questions, but immediately like, well, you're not educated. You're not a doctor. So you don't know. It's like, yeah, but (laughs) what, what do you attribute it to then? Like, you know, cool, fine. I'll accept that. But then why? It can't be just all these women are crazy. Like, yeah, we're crazy. I'll admit, but you know, I think for the most part, most human beings aren't supposed to be depressed and anxious and in pain and inflamed and hurt. And so, like you said, if something's getting into your body that it immediately has that response and you're predisposed by your genetics, your environment to not have a good immune system, I think it's very fair to point to those things. As like, soon as someone tells me they're sick and they've gone through all these things, I'm like, do you have any implants by chance? I lose a lot of friends that way. <laughs> I should stop doing that. But I just, ha- I just feel like I have to share it because I-, I see it. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't know Um, how else to fix it besides opening my big mouth.
1: (laughs) I I think the way you're doing it by holding space for the discussions and and allowing people to, you know, you 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 create the uh, the information source that people can come to and and seek it out um and and i have i have the same awareness too you know i never want anyone to feel ashamed for having implants or um or self-conscious for a decision that they made a long time ago that maybe is no longer serving them so i never i never approach it with with any kind of language or wording or discussion that would make anyone feel anything um less than um it's all about just being like hey this is you know these are the things i've noticed and observed in my medical practice um they they may or may not apply to you uh, but i'm here as a resource if you have any questions i've noticed that the tradition like in in my experience the arc for timing for an explant is about three years Mm -hmm. Uh, meaning from like the time the time that um patients either come to me to first start thinking about it or friends reach out to me to the time that they actually seek seek out to do the explant is about three years yes um and i think there's i think that's actually a good amount of time um i i definitely don't think this is the kind of procedure you should rush into even though i've had i've had patients reach out to me like i want these up tomorrow um (laughs) Um, and, and they've probably been thinking about it for a while to be fair, but from the time where you start thinking about it I and mean, do it on average, I'd say it's about three years and the reason, excuse me, the reason for that, um uh, the, or the reason I think it's good to take the time is because it's, um, it, it, it really is a big physical and psychological shift that happens and you have to have this level like you want to be able to be so sure when you're going into surgery that this is the ra- route you want to go because your body will change. Your breast will look different and yes. it will be an adjustment. Yeah. Um. And um, it's not the kind of um, thing you ever want to rush into. And you want to be so in your alignment and so in your integrity when you are in the recovery room after your surgery that you just feel great. Yes. That's um, very fair that's, to say.
0: If there's a big yeah. mental, like you said, you got to prepare and then mentally you got to mm-hmm. prepare too. Right. And it's, I know we're so reactive these days, myself included, especially when you fall down that rabbit hole of learning of all the toxic stuff in your environment and you're eating it, you know, especially when you like, quote unquote, wake up spiritually and you start looking around and like starting having that fear, you know, um, it's very easy to get trapped up and like, I need to get it out now because the longer I have it in, the more damage that's doing but sometimes you really like you said you need to prepare your home your body mm. your mind for that big decision as well and mm. making sure that it is the correct one because and having that mindset of like if I do get these out it is rare that people aren't seeing the changes of their their side effects but that could happen you know and what does that look like and i think one of the things Um, that I noticed when I first fell into the BII rabbit hole a couple years ago was a lot of women that were getting their explant but they weren't getting the cap around it removed because there wasn't as much knowledge around explants and then they were just removing the 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 implant itself but then they were still having mass amount of issues after to find out no that there's like a I'm sorry, I'm terrible at the wording of it, like capsule, right? That kind of forms yeah, that's, that's the, sometimes. Yeah. And some women weren't getting that out. And unfortunately, there was like a lot of toxicity, I guess, in that still causing them the same pain. Do you feel mm-hmm. like as the years were progressing, more explant doctors are learning of more of those things as well? And it's going in a good direction there?
1: Yeah, so the um, the research around the capsule is pretty interesting. So in the, the theory behind the capsule is that that's where a lot of the immune reaction is happening that's causing okay. the body to have this really strong response. So the body creates this sort of container around mm-hmm. the implant, which is called a capsule. And the capsule has these different layers. And, and one of the layers is really rich uh, and full of all these inflammatory cells that are creating the the actual shell around the capsule, but is also causing it to, um, some of those inflammatory mediators get into the body and causes the body to react. Now there was, um, just, to, um, just to try and, to to give to be fair and balanced there was one one research study that was done recently where surgeons were removing the capsule and not removing the capsule and they were trying to see if there was a difference in terms of patient outcome and they showed that there wasn't um yeah um in my um in in my opinion i still think removing the capsule is important um it was a smaller study so they didn't do a huge a very large number of patients but um I, i still I think the what should guide the decision to remove the capsule is what the actual capsule itself looks like when you're okay, doing the yeah. procedure because they don't all look the same. Yes, um, I've had I've taken out some capsules that are rock hard and it just like you can just feel the texture of it. It just like feels like it's it's just been sitting in the body, getting thicker and thicker and harder and tougher over time. So there's really a strong immune reaction happening. Um, whereas other times the capsule is like just this very thin membrane. It's very soft. It doesn't you know, you look at it and it looks totally normal. Um, I, I, I do have a discussion uh, about it with patients and I will often make the call in surgery unless the patient is, um, is, is, is you know, determined and adamant to remove the capsule. Um, from a surgery standpoint, technically it is more challenging to remove the capsule. Um, it does make the surgery um, more complicated and um, slightly more dangerous, I would say, just because the way the capsule lays in the body. Um, I think the majority of surgeons who are um, serious about doing explant, the, you know, they have to understand um, how to work with the capsule and that it's important mm-hmm. to remove it. And especially if that's what the patient is, is wanting.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that, and I think that's too, it's why it's a good idea to research, just like when you research to get them in research, getting them out and just, you know, making sure that you're going to a, a explant surgeon that's going to hear you. Right. Because maybe they mm-hmm. have their own ideas, you know, and I think, it could be another form of gaslight. I don't know, but that was just this one girl is that she got them out. Um, and she, um, had said that, that she was feeling the same. So a couple of months later she found out from someone else that was like, Oh, did you get the capsule out? And she was like, no, what's that? And then went back on it out. Um, and she was better, but what would be the positive of leaving it in? Like, why would, besides the difficulty of, is there like a positive, like does taking it out make it form different after?
1: Um, a good question i would say the main reason to leave the capsule in is it just it's a much simpler uh, uh less invasive surgery okay okay um, then. yeah um you could argue that there's some benefit to leaving it in from like a structural standpoint because the surgeon can you then use a capsule to reconstruct some parts of the breast like on the inside to suspend the breast but that's not done very often um i would say just the the, the number one reason is if the um, if not removing the capsule what that means is the incision can be smaller mm. and the, sur- the surgery itself technically um, would be a lot uh, simpler and faster which would mean less scarring for the breast yeah. um, and less overall damage to the tissue inside
0: that would make sense and do you yeah. find so you've done this for the last five years do you see an increase in explants over the years as you know you know breast implant illness like I said I fell down that five years ago just looking at a hashtag I was like what is this and I was like what the fuck (laughs) it was kind of my like and i was trapped by months and i literally went to every single girl i knew that terrible i am so sorry friends but i just like started hype because i knew that any day that i would get that 10 grand i would be that it was more of the gym i'm more of a gym rat now so the thought of you know having Mm. that impede my chest workouts is where i would stopped mm. now but I was one of those people and I was like I'm so glad that I found this I'm so grateful for these women for speaking out this is why I like to have them on my show and share because they saved me because I even had like barely could have earrings as a child they like grew over the back and like my body anything that's new it's like we don't like this so I knew that I would be one of those people um but I feel even five six years ago my girlfriend had to fly out of the country to third world country to get her explants out um because no one here in canada would listen um or do it or do it properly as she had researched so do you find like it is getting like exponentially more and more as time goes on
1: absolutely yeah and there's more and more surgeons that are focused solely on explant um so which you know which is which is good that their surgeons are opening up to it but i i think when um it gets it just it does make the whole industry a little bit more complicated because now you have basically the same specialty operating on opposite sides of the same equation, right? So you've got plastic surgeons putting them in and plastic surgeons taking them out. And, um, I, I just equate it. Like if, 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 if we believe that this is a problem, it's kind of like, Why was um, you've got, you've got two, like two lung doctors, yeah. and on opposite sides of the smoking industry saying like oh well, you know you can smoke and the other is like no yes. oh, don't smoke so it's like yeah oh, what's, what's the yeah. situation yeah. um and surgery itself you know you you alluded to something before that i wanted to touch on which is yes um which is um why i do surgeries a certain way um as as minimally invasive as possible but also to treat the surgical process as ceremony is that surgery is really traumatic um, you know, there, there's no question that even if it's done in the most um, um, clean, sterilized protocol, um, safe way, that the process of surgery in 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 and of itself is is traumatizing. You know, your consciousness is being unplugged, um, you're being cut, and your body is is um, internalizing and is going to have memory of that of that experience, whether it's through the scar that it forms or you know who knows the other the other things that are happening when you're unconscious um so i think that um that process of surgery in addition to what the implants are doing is actually really is is traumatic and if you look at like a really holistic view of the whole perspective um and this is this is something i'm sharing uh, obviously not as somebody who's ever had breast implants but just working in the patient community and and just taking and, and putting all these stories together from from my patients um just just trying to acknowledge the the difference in in privilege there so this is this is this is information from my patient's perspective um the original decision to have the implants put in comes from a place of uh most likely comes from a place of lack meaning there's there's you know i am not enough in a certain way or um this this will help me in a given situation like you yourself mentioned in the fitness industry like a lot of people will get them so there's there's something lacking there so that's that's one thing um, the second is then undergoing that actual traumatic experience of surgery, mm-hmm. even though it's done consciously with, with some, some amount of intention. Um, and then after all that, having to experience, hopefully not, but if you do experience the symptoms of BI, which is like, oh, and now I'm sick from my implants. So it's like, it's like this negative feedback loop that yeah. gets created and it gets stored in the body. So it starts, it starts from coming from a, um, um, a place uh, of lack or insecurity that then gets validated and um, reinforced through a traumatic process of surgery. And then it just gets worse from a place where you, your body is now literally having a reaction to these implants. And so um, the reason I focus on surgery as ceremony is, I hope. My hope is that it creates an opportunity to create not just healing for the body from that traumatic experience of surgery, but also for the psyche and the soul.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. And the process of surgery ceremony is, is one where patients are fully awake during the experience, and they're um, so so your consciousness is not being unplugged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's done in as as much as possible a pain-free way with certain medications that numb all the areas. Um, it's not possible to always do breast explant surgery um, under uh, local anesthesia, but this is more about the reconstruction of the breast with fat Fair. afterwards. And it's sort of like a reclaiming of the self. It's like you are really a co-passenger, a co-pilot in this process. Yes. And some of the medications I use create this state of consciousness that um, is um, what I like to call neuroplastic. So you're you're in a state where you're really suggestible um, impressionable, and um, um, together with a with therapists that I work with, and also this protocol that I've developed, patients can really undergo this transformation that like puts them back in the driver's seat, gives them the authority and sovereignty over their mind, body, and soul. Whereas um, their past surgical journey may have completely disrupted that for them, whether it would it have been for implants, mm-hmm. um, the trauma of the surgery, or how they if they got sick afterwards. So, it's like my attempt is to try and close that arc um, and bring and bring the patient back to the to the Full driver's experience. seat of of their experience.
0: I would say that's kind of like in a like look back view of looking at, like, say, having a baby at a hospital and having like a home birth, right? Where it's like, you know, I'm not knocking any the the hospital ones, but you know, there's a lot of trauma and, you know, childbirth is very beautiful and such a process. And like you said, ceremonial and intentions. And, you know, again, I've not had a baby and I've not had breast implants either. So I'm speaking out of my butt here, but you know, when, when you look at both, it's kind of like, you know, you look at the nurses, I'm not saying nurses and hospitals don't fully do that, but they're so busy. Right. So they have to flip through people when you have that midwife or that doula at home, that's focused, that's working you through things and, 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 taking that traumatic quote unquote experience and, and, and like using it as power. And like, it's not a negative experience it's a transformational experience. And so therefore it's something that you want and it's in line as opposed to just very clinical cut dry in out hospital trauma. And I think a lot of the medical industry think that's where they went wrong and turned it more of into a corporate business as opposed to like the healing portion of it. It's like, yeah, we got to make money, obviously, like, should, like, do you know how much it is up here in Canada? Like, ugh. anyway, um, you know, like we got to make money, but there's got to be a level too of making money and, you know, getting out of touch with the healing aspect of it, right? And so a lot of the guests that we have on the show and the medical industry, why we love them so much is the same thing. It's like, yes, there is risks. Yes, this is traumatic, but let's make this experience if that's what you want, as good as it possibly can be so you can leave it feeling good. And I think that is very much missing right now you know, I don't think that Western medicine should go away or pharmaceuticals should go away. I just think it needs to be brought back to like humanity and human and, and the, the connections to who you are instead of getting further away from that by being over medicated. You know, I'm the same way now before I'd be like, yeah, just put me out now. I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, you know, just again, spirituality. It's like, do I want to be disconnected from myself? Sure. If it's a life threatening thing, absolutely. No question. My leg falls off. Yes but do I need to do that? Do I, do I really need to do that just to get a root canal? Like, you know what I mean? Or do I need a root canal? I won't go down that path, but you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I think it's, it's amazing to see individuals like yourself shift and go, Hey, you know what? I'm aware of what this can do. And I'm going to tell you, so you can make an informed decision, but I'm also going to make it as comfortable as possible. Right. So that you're comfortable with that decision. And if you aren't after, because maybe you changed your mind, you didn't put yourself as much at risk by doing that
1: and and i i incredible. um i just love your analogy of of childbirth um because that is it is a really good similar analogy um mm-hmm. and and r- uh, related point where there's also just you know this this experience that is so fundamental to the like t- um to the human condition like to go through the process of childbirth where the sacredness of it and the ritual of it, I think, has been industrialized. Yes. Yeah, exactly. it's been industrialized to to the point where it's like, like, what are we even doing? Like, our bodies carry this innate intelligence that's yes. just developed over thousands of years. And yes, we have science, and yes, we have um, incredible medical technologies that make it safer and make it possible for us to do things we could have never imagined. But let's not forget the sacredness of the rituals that brought us to the to um, yes. place and I, i've got many friends that have done home birth and, and hearing their experience has been it's amazing. transformative yeah yes
0: never yeah. i very rarely have heard a bad one but if you, and like for myself, just like, I can't have a baby, so I'll I'll never most likely have that choice. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's easy for me to say like, yeah, I'll do a home birth. (laughs) I know home Mm -hmm. girl, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. But I just think the support and the energy and that it's all about you. And the beauty of it is that there is a hospital right there. You can call Mm -hmm. the ambulance for when those, and I think just in society in general, we just try to avoid pain, which of course, Mm -hmm. but to a degree where it's like, You know, we're putting other things at risks and we're we're giving up things and connections and and those moments that, you know, are truly transformative as human beings to try and avoid the uncomfortable. And I think all of us have been there and done certain things in our lives, you know, whether that's through drugs or through whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, escaping at some point and. I think that as you age, maybe, or you go through your spiritual journey, you're like, no, that's the shit I got to go through. And like, not like I want hard things to come to me. I'm not saying that universe, but I'm saying like, when you go through it, you start to be like, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? How can I be stronger? Um, But I think when you're so, so, so disconnected from that and yourself, you really struggle. So you do look for those alternatives cause you just don't know yourself and you don't. And so I think, like you said, people make these decisions, like I want breast implants. And then the implants are like, Oh, I can get you in next week. You can put five grand down now and make payments for the next six years. It's like, Oh shit, I got to jump on it. And then they make that decision. And then all of a sudden they wake up from this unconscious experience going, what the fuck? And then if they're in pain, it's like an extra what the fuck. And I know that I know all so many of these women are like, this is not what I thought. This is not, you know, because we're just, so good at just going and being excited and goal-oriented and i want Mm -hmm, to do this and mm -hmm. i don't have time but sometimes giving it that time could save you a lot in the end if that makes sense
1: no totally i I think um i i always encourage my patients to take as much time to think through and never rush into a procedure um it's never never a good idea to just be fully rushing into something especially especially something as serious as surgery i mean it's like it's a big deal um And, um, just to go back to what you're saying before too, with, with the analogy of childbirth, like those, those things are just so sacred and and surgery itself is a process where for many people, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity or experience and, you know, why not treat it with as much reverence and sacredness as, as possible. And I remind myself all the time, even though this is something I do every day, multiple times a day, that often that is like a life defining peak moment for my patient like they will always remember the time that they had surgery um some people have surgery more than once but you know um but for many people it's this very very defining moment so just treating it with a lot of reverence care and respect is is really important
0: and that i feel like that's a huge thing too that's missing is like that bedside like mannerism and patience right like and we've all been there we've all all been to that one dentist or that one nurse and i get it like But there's a difference of being tired at your job and just having a bad day and being short to being like, you hate what you're doing. And I think that Mm -hmm. that happens when you're not in alignment, like it's you want to help people, but that traditional medical space isn't for you. And I know a lot of women actually in my life, that are in the medical field, especially over the last couple of years have been like, I don't know what to do because I have to go back to school to be able to make money to be able to support my family, but I don't want to be a part of this like medical paradigm that they are currently having, you know? And so there is like, actually there is nurses. We just had her on a nurse from uh, back East that is starting their whole kind of uh, Canadian frontline nurses and they're Mm -hmm. making their own platform so that people could go to them um, and start learning how to heal themselves, you know, and then when you need them, then reach out and then they'll help you and get you in touch with doctors that are aligned to how you are. So me personally, I struggle to go to the doctor right now because I've had so many problems in the past. And it's like, it sucks when that relationship gets cut out because it's an industry now and not about healthcare. But over the last couple of years, there's has been this huge shift of everyone taking personal responsibility and being like, Hey, the things that I'm doing, eating is all contributing to my health. Mm -hmm. And then we have healthcare providers that are like, yeah, that's correct. And these are the ways that you can help yourself. Mm -hmm. But before I noticed it was like, go in, I have like anxiety. Okay. Here's some medication didn't ask me if I was sleeping, what I was eating, any of those things. Right. So it's like, I don't know I was going with that, but I'm just super excited that everything is coming back to actual patient care, actual trust in doctors, because like you said, you're putting them in the driver's seat with you. It's like you have the knowledge you're going through the experience. So together let's move forward. Instead of me just being like, you hey, get in the back, here's what you need. Goodbye. In the trunk, mm-hmm. carry on. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'm just really excited about it. And I, this is like, this is far more than I thought. I didn't even know that this even existed. So I was just like, I was like, Oh, what am I going to ask him? Because, you know, I'm going through this whole personal thing about like the beauty industry and the surgeries. And like you said, the money that's in it and is this progression, is this women empowerment? And I was like, Oh, I hope that that, but like, dude, you're so fucking aligned. Like this is incredible. <laughs> um, just for those that are maybe looking to come to you for those types of services or, mm-hmm. Where would they go to specifically yourself? And is there anybody in Canada that does that this kind of stuff, or do we have to come down to California?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, okay. uh, first of all, thank you for your reflections and your kind words, and just just to say, um, yeah, you know, the medical industry is going to be constantly evolving, but I, I'm I'm personally stoked that there's this what feels like a consumer or patient centric. Push towards just just optimizing and being a better health and, and 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 many doctors are following suit so I think that's great. Um, to find me or to reach out to me, um easiest is probably through my Instagram, which is at drjohnk. That's d r j o n k. Um, I also can be contacted through my website where I have some more information about the work that I do. It's Aura Aesthetica, um, and I can I can give you the contact there so you can share it. But that's a u r a aesthetica a e S-T-H-I-T-I-C-A, Um Aesthetica.com. And yeah, I have I actually have a number of colleagues in Canada that do explant work. Um, I trained in Canada. I trained at McGill University in Montreal, so I know a lot of uh, the plastic surgeons there. Um, I'm trying to think of one. There's one surgeon I know. I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now.
0: Well, at least we can connect you too. Like if you're in Canada yeah. and you're wanting to look, at least we, you know, we have the connections to it. It's so it's funny. When I'm,
1: I'm seeing his face, but I can't remember his name. <laughs> and you'll remember
0: later when you're eating dinner, you're gonna be like, ha, I will. this is
1: the name. <laughs> Oh, Nicolaitis. There you go, Stephen Nicolaitis. Ah, go. Yeah, Doctor uh, Stephen Nicolaitis. Um, if, as far as I know, he he does a lot of explant surgery. Um, um, but there there are some other ones that, that are that are working on as well. Um, and there's actually. Um, there's a nurse that I've been in contact with from, from Montreal, too, that also does uh, a lot of uh, patient support and works with patients in that in that industry. Amazing.
0: It's starting to leak mm-hmm. up here, guys. We don't have to. We're always so behind in the States. Yeah. always. Well, it's. it's, really it's ahead. Yeah.
1: I mean, yes. Canada, I, I train in Canada. Canada, I would say is very progressive in a lot of ways, just in general, about yes. patient care. Um, I would say one of the bigger challenges is that the insurance industry hasn't caught up with reimbursement no. yet and, and, and made it more of a thing. And that's. Yes. It's a challenging thing, just because it kind of blends with the aesthetic space, which is mm-hmm. always a challenge for insurance companies. But yes. I mean, I I personally believe BI is a valid medical diagnosis and deserves to be cared for and treated like any other um, um, uh, illness. So yes, um, and for whatever yeah.
0: reason you got it, I don't think it should really matter, especially like when there hasn't been this much and like how can you blame it on the patients when there hasn't been a true informed consent over quite a few years? Right. Like yeah. this is where I kind of struggle too. And, and that's why I have so many women, some right here in Kelowna with me that always tell me and I share stuff and they always feel like shit when I share stuff because I know they want their explants, but they're like, mm. I'm a single mom. I can't afford this 10, 15, $20,000. Mm. I can't afford to be off work. And this is the position. And this is why I speak out about it because it's like, I just, my thing is like, if you're going to get them research, who you're getting them from, um, and also, I think, and maybe I'm crazy, if you're going to have the money to implant them, you should also make sure you have the money to explant them, if possible, because if something does happen, then you can be more reactive instead of being trapped. I think that's, you know, that's
1: a, that's I know a that's a ridiculous
0: point. amount of money, yeah. but it, it's it's a, if you know the risks and like if it, it was me, I would have to because I would know, like I said, my earrings like grew over when I was a child, like I can barely wear I wear like a ring and I'm eczema like right away. I'm just very sensitive individual. So I just know if I put that inside, it's probably not going to react well. So I've never done it. So I don't do Botox or fillers or any of that because I'm in these support groups. And I see all these women that, you know, had no idea, no idea what Botox and fillers can do, no idea Mm. what breast implants can do. Hey, you're going to be able to have these for 20 years. We can run them over with a car
1: well <laughs> oh my god i personally i you said something that just triggers me a lot I, sorry i know it's it's in a it's, it's in a way i want to talk about it like i yes, cannot stand those I, i'm i don't know if you've seen them but like many pastors i know they'll they'll like do these videos or they run an implant yeah. over or they stab it with something i'm like yeah. oh, oh that gosh. is just it's just not, uh, it's like, put it, put it in a warm bag for 20 years and see what happens yes, to it. Like that's, exactly. you know, it's not going to make a great TikTok video, but that's no, more no, likely no. reflective it's of what's actually happening. Yes. And, and just, that's my I, problem. I, yeah. I wouldn't care
0: so much. I wouldn't be such, have such beef if they were like, Hey, this is what, like with the mold in it, like this is the potential. In ten years, and if you do this, so many women are told that they can have this for the rest of their lives, that they won't ever mm-hmm. have to do these surgeries again. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm pretty sure you should. Just like with a car, you replace things in your vehicle when it breaks down. It, it, mm-hmm. and it's not for any individual to know. To me, that's why you go to a professional. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is patient accountability. People do need to research who they're going for, for sure. I'm full of tattoos. I made sure that the person that was putting this permanent stuff on me was gonna be good. Looking back now, I was like, did not know how toxic tattoos are, but we learned, we learned we're not finishing our leg sleeve probably now, but (laughs) you know, it's it's all as you go through stuff. Right. And so it's never about shame of getting these things. You know, I'm the same way. I got a whole entire sleeve and half my leg because obviously I wasn't fully happy with my body and I wanted to do something different and I didn't know the risks and I just went and did it. And like that sucks, but now I know. So now I'm going to be very selective on if I do or who's going to be doing it and what material I'm going to be doing it with if I'll even mm-hmm. do it. There's no shame in these decisions that we all made because we didn't feel good. And I think that's mm-hmm. the hardest part. It's the hardest part talking out is because you don't want someone to feel shamed. You don't want them to feel bad because we're all fucking there. In any ways. some people have body dysmorphia. Some people have face dysmorphia. Some people have imposter syndrome like me on this podcast every goddamn day. Um, you know, You're crushing so it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, it's not it's not for shame. It's more like, I just don't want people to hurt. And I don't want people mm-hmm. to sit there and think that it's their fault and that something's wrong with them or that they should feel shamed. And I want there to be insurance. It, you pay for your insurance. You should be able to fucking decide where the money goes. Don't get me started on benefits. But mm-hmm. like to sit there and tell a woman that she doesn't deserve to have insurance benefits because she had an insecurity and made a decision at 19 years old. And as a mom of 32, she's sick and she shouldn't get any help. I think that's just such a backwards thing to do, but you're shamed for talking about that and a woman hater and a misogynist and all those things. And it's like, but sweetie, I'm not like, I'm so far from that. Like, you know, I mm-hmm. have to live with these things in my head. I know that, that, that getting explants are bad. doesn't mean I don't sit there and think about it. doesn't mean I don't sit there and go, well, uh, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a lifelong battle that we all have to go through, but there's no shame in it. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I want to have people on the show that are experts or even just that have gone through it. So that you feel safe so you don't have to sit there and go no one can figure out why i have anxiety maybe it's your boobs I'm not saying it is could be in a stressful life you could be eating a lot of bad shit. you could be doing bad stuff too but nothing else points to it why can't we look at that avenue without being considered a bully you know or, or, or anti-feminist like i'm not a feminist i'm a middle i'm a middle person i'm a human person right? And I just, I hate the attack. So like, honestly, thank you so much for even putting this on our platform that this is possible. Um, but, but before we do go jump off today, though, can you explain a little bit more of the surgeries that you do? Like, how does sure. that exactly work? Because now I'm like, not saying I'm coming down to visit, maybe to visit, but um, I just I'm very curious, because I had no idea that was even an option.
1: Yeah. Um, so the, the specific surgery that I do um, is, is called fat transfer to the breast. So it's taking fat from one part of the body, um, processing the fat and then using the fat as a sculpting, um, as as the medium to either reconstruct or augment the shape of the breast. Tradition, fat grafting has been around for a long time. Um, It's been around for 30, 40 years or so. Um, The technology around it hasn't changed that much. It's, It's improved a little bit here and there. Um, but what I've done in my practice, I've developed a certain way that I process and, and use the fat to increase the, the amount that survives. So when you transfer fat, it's kind of like planting seeds in the garden. If you just take a handful of seeds and throw them in the grass, not all of them are going to grow. And it's the same thing yeah. with fat. About 70, 50 to 80% of the fat will, will survive. Cool. In my practice, I've um, adjusted the technique a little bit. So I think it's probably closer to the 70 to 90% range. Nice. And wow. Um, so the way I do the procedure is that patients generally, depending on their preference, are awake. Um, so uh, like I mentioned before, with the surgery ceremony process, they're, they're fully awake. Um, they meet with um, myself as well as therapists, a psychotherapist that I work, uh, work with to help sort of prepare and guide them for the process. I use a medication called ketamine. Um, ketamine is a powerful anesthetic that helps prepare um, not just uh, the body but also the mind for surgery and so there's a um, uh, before surgery there's a a usually one ketamine session with a therapist um, to kind of prepare them for the process of being awake during surgery and this transformation and then on the day of surgery I use ketamine as the anesthetic um, which is which is um, it's been a, it's been used as anesthetic for a long time, but I don't think it's been used with this kind of attention, which is um, to help the mind and body transform. And so on the day of or during the procedure, uh, the the way the surgery works is I numb all of the areas um, with a special with a special tools that I have, and then I remove the fat very gently um, from different parts of the body. So, um, some people like that because it's, you know, you get to kind of <laughs> adjust and, Yeah. Well, you, you know, you, yeah. you some, uh, you sculpt part of the body and then you get to use that fat as a medium for somewhere else. And then the fat gets inserted and I, I'm literally sculpting with it. So I'm putting in like little, little tiny droplets of fat throughout the breast and that shapes and sculpts the breast. Yep. Wow. And uh, I think it's in a more anatomic or more sort of, like appropriate, if you will, a way to do this procedure because um, most of the breast tissue is actually fat—it's a mixture of fat and gland—and so by putting fat tissue there, it's it just creates a more natural aesthetic result, and it does not look like implants. It doesn't—the goal isn't to look like really sort of large or artificial. It's about enhancing the natural shape that you have, and so I do this, um, and so then after the surgery. Um, I have a whole recovery protocol that patients go through with a body body lymphatic worker to help help the recovery process, and then they're always welcome to meet with the therapist again to kind of complete the transformation. Um, so that's patients like go home. The whole this- thing. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm giving you the the A to Z. So they go home. Yeah, they go home the same day of surgery, and um, because you're awake and not asleep during the procedure, the recovery is meant to be a lot easier. You don't have to recover from general anesthesia. Um, it's only, you're not meant to be bed bound at all. I want you moving around and walking basically the same day as surgery. So it's meant to be like a, a much, much smoother recovery process. But, um, but to answer your question, just make sure what I second. answer it. It's spe- specifically, it's the fat cancer that, that I focus okay. on. So fat chancer the best of taking fat from one part of the body and putting it into the breast.
0: And then because the, um, breasts are already used to that and it's your own body, I imagine it's much more accepting to it than you know a foreign object so it's not like hey what the hell is this it's like oh hey this is here and it's like oh okay just yeah well and
1: totally and i keep everything in a closed container which means i don't add any kind of foreign body or there's no artificial there's nothing it's it's like the way i process the fat i keep it all fully closed and sterile so it's literally coming out of the body staying in the closed container and then going back into the body um so there's no there's no real foreign body reaction um, mm-hmm. There is always the possibility that some scar tissue will develop, just because anytime you do any surgery anywhere in the body, there's going to be some scar tissue. But it's not yeah. scar tissue that's in reaction to a foreign foreign material or anything like that. And then yeah. usually most of it resolves and heals. And I've been following patients for almost five, six years now after their surgeries, and they're they're doing great.
0: Wow, that is so amazing. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. Yeah. This is far more than I. I'm not saying I'm coming down and booking an appointment. I'm just <laughs> saying that it's really exciting that you know. Like you said, and and we've had like I'm sure you know Robin um, Town. T- I'm always terrible at yeah, her last name. Yeah, she's great. Yes, amazing woman. She um, had double uh, double mastectomy and got attacked right away to get breast implants. And she will say that it was worse having the implants than her cancer, which when she said that, I just kind of blew my mind that that she was like the, one of the first people I interviewed too. Um, right. And she's been on several times on our show and it just, and she's doing amazing things. Um, but it was just incredible to hear her say that. Cause in your mind, you're like, how can anything be worse than like cancer in that mind? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so amazing that these women that have gone through so much that are going through this can come to you and have, you know, because a lot of them are looking for more of a natural way of embracing their body, right? And I think that this is an amazing way that, you know, again, it's that blend of both worlds where it's like, absolutely, if there's something that's really bothering you, especially medically or aesthetically, and it is literally hurting your life, you absolutely can do whatever you need to do, as long as you are comfortable with the risks. And to know that you can do this without having the major risks that we're seeing with breast implant illness, or this, the surgeries in general, it's just so amazing. Thank you, Dr. K for just being that person for continuing doing this for coming on our show. I'm going to probably twist your arm to come back on in season six. And maybe we can get more like into the sciencey part of it because I like to learn and I'm kind of nerdy like that, even though I can't say the words. Um, <laughs> I definitely like to learn. Uh, so thank you very much for joining me today. Guys, make sure you're following Dr. K on Instagram, go to his website, we will provide all the information in the posts. Um, but yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you again. And you guys until next time. Bye. thank you you guys so so much for stopping by the show today we truly hope that you had a good time if you like this episode and you want to hear more make sure to subscribe to our channels like our episodes and turn on those notification bells you can find us on rumble youtube spotify anchor apple and google podcast You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Until next time, guys!